Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome back to another episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that's determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 366 days per year. I'm Anthony. I'm Julia. I'm Tom. How's your week, y'all? It's been a good week. It's been a good week. I get a lot more home time with my family for the next two weeks. Why? Oh, we're in quarantine. (gasps) My little nephew popped a positive COVID test after hanging out with us over the weekend. So I'm looking as it as, it, as a positive. I am Family most time definitely, around Christmas. That's right. I am most definitely doing all of our Advent activities with like zero stress because all of our evening plans have been canceled. Except for Think the podcast the recording. Except for the podcast, yeah. <laughs> all of our all of our non-family outside of the house evening plans have been canceled. I was about to pick apart that phrasing, but then I realized you said non-family, which means you consider me and Tom family. Absolutely. You're also not a family. (laughs) Did y'all test positive yourself? How's everyone feeling? We're all feeling good. Um, We probably won't be in that window of, you know, finding out if we have it or not for another few days. So I will tell you next week. When we are back here, same tis the podcast time, same tis the podcast place. Knock wood, you will tell us next week. Knock, hey, whoa, whoa, we don't even say that. <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying, like, God forbid, somebody gets sick. I don't want anyone to get sick. That's what I'm saying, knock wood. <laughs> knock wood is a good... Y'all say knock wood? What do you say? Knock on tap wood? Tap wood? Knock on wood. No, we say knock wood. <laughs> well, no, in, Engl- in, in England, it's tap wood. Do you actually but... tap the wood or do you knock on it? I knock. But in England, do they tap it gently? No, they knock on it, which is why I told them they're absurd. Just like putting all the extra U's in their words. (laughs) Color. Favorite. Uh, Anybody know the origin of knocking on wood? Something about witches? Nope. For years, there were a lot of um, fake relics, faux relics, pieces of the cross that people would have. And you would knock on the wood of the cross. Hmm. That's interesting. Didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of religious type things, did you all see that the star of Bethlehem will be in the sky for the first time in 800 years this okay. winter solstice? I have a reminder set on my phone. Me too. At How cool is that? 40 something or whatever it is. It could literally be the bright spot of this crappy, crappy year. It, that will be our first day out of quarantine if everybody stays healthy. Uh, although, heck. although... We still have, what, half a month left to go in this year by the time this episode drops. I'm scared that the aliens are about to arrive because we saw (laughs) the Galactic Federation, right, buried in the ground at Mars. 
my gosh. You didn't Wait, see what? that? No. no. I don't know what you're talking you get, about. You don't know what I'm talking about, Tom? You, no. You nope. No. Oh, well, uh, uh, the former Israeli Secretary of Defense went on record of saying that the Americans many years ago established contact with aliens who call themselves the Galactic Federation and signed an agreement with them not to reveal them to the public at large because the human race wasn't ready. But they have a secret base on Mars where American astronauts and the aliens are living. And that sometime within his presidency, Donald Trump almost revealed this to the world, but people begged him not to cause panic by saying it. So he kept it a secret. But apparently the Galactic Federation exists and is trying to study the fabric of space and time and human nature. And apparently they're friendly. So at least we have that. Well, but they're the friendly. Ali- but the aliens are ready to make their appearance for the 2020 finale, y'all. They take a better year, honestly. I mean, why? It would be a terrible timing to come onto the stage in a pandemic. What, would it, though? So, question. Because independence question. They taught us that the human race comes together to fight aliens. Maybe that would be the best ending of this year. Everyone coming together. So You said they're we, nice. This base is underground in the depths of Mars, which is an interesting thing to pause it but if we have contact with these aliens why are we building crappy spaceships that we're building right now well because they don't want the human race at large to know about their existence yet but you would still think we'd have better spaceships at least Normally, normally, I would give no credence to this story. However, the guy who is claiming all this is actually like a well-respected scientist and a former like defense minister or something. So give me 1% pause. But then that 1% is brought back down to zero when he said Donald Trump knows about this because Donald Trump would reveal this to the world if he knew about it. Let's be real. <laughs> well, the um, Trump was set to release a bunch of stuff about Area 51, right? You remember all that? I do remember that. So, who knows? Who knows? So, y'all, I had a very Christmassy weekend. What'd you do? I watched Elf and the Santa Claus and Christmas Vacation and Home Alone for the umpteenth time because they've been showing that nonstop on TV this year. So, mm-hmm. like, you can't do better than those four movies, right? And then yesterday... I know it's not as exciting for y'all because you don't like it, but I watched four Rankin Bass specials, The Grinch, and The Peanuts. So, like, I hit all my mainstays. Man, you did. I'm not ready to leave this alien thing. (laughs) (laughs) The timing seems odd with all of these, like, unknown monoliths appearing around the world now, right? Oh, Uh, or coincidental. I don't know. No such thing as a coincidence. Who said that? I'm sure somebody, everyone says Neo that. from the Matrix. No, not Neo. Okay, you brought me up for my next topic I want to bring up with y'all, since we're a pop culture podcast. How about Warner Brothers changing the film industry forever? Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see so, if it works for them or not. They're well, at least trying to change it. So for those who don't know, the whole Warner Brothers Studios 2021 slate will be released simultaneously on HBO Max and in theaters. The caveat being it'll be only available on HBO Max for one month before disappearing until home video release. And then it will come back. And the idea behind this is with the pan- with projections showing, even with vaccine, people are going to be too scared to, public get- to gather in large groups in public and things will still be closed down for a while. They don't want to push back their movies any year. So this is their new model. 
And I guess they looked at Trolls World Tour and Scoob and Mulan and saw that they make enough money to justify it, while at the same time looking at Tenet, which they released in theaters during the pandemic and saw it didn't make a lot of money. So what are your thoughts on this? I'm curious. So to clarify, it will drop on HBO Max where, one, you have to be an HBO Max subscriber to see it. Plus, is it also like Mulan where you have like an extra cost? No. 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 So they said no extra cost, but they won't be offering free trials anymore. So people can't sign up for the seven-day free trial. Just for that one. Watch sure. it. But you're a subscriber, 15 bucks a month, no extra cost to see any of these There's movies. There's no way that's going to work Interesting. out. So – Okay, so I'm a movie guy. You guys know I went to the movies every weekend, just about. Yeah. I don't want to see the end of movie theaters, obviously. Just like I'm sure lots of people who listen to our show, movie buffs don't want to see the end of movie theaters. But at the same time, movie studios, especially if, the pand- if things aren't supposed to get better till the latter half of next year, they can't keep pushing back release dates. Right. And at the same time as well, before the pandemic, people were talking about movie theaters being on the decline, right? It's kind of like mm-hmm. the pandemic put the last nail in the coffin almost. Mm-hmm. I think this is the best of both worlds. You want to see it in theaters. If a theater is open by you, if you're comfortable, it's there. HBO Max. And I feel like there's some benefits too. Not everyone can afford a $16 movie ticket every weekend like a lot of us can. Whoa, whoa. So you have a movie f- tickets are $16? In New York, they are. In a lot of big cities, they are. So you have you pay less than that for a month of HBO Max, fifteen dollars for unlimited movies, and then as well, I like six or seven dollars. I post well, we can if you go to like the matinee early bird special, but then you um at the same time I posted this on Reddit and I got like comments from strangers who are like this will be good for people with who have disabilities who can't necessarily go to the movies all the time, new parents who can't get out of the house, right? Yep. Yep. So I think it does have parents. its perks. <laughs> parents, right. I, I think it has its perks. I, I'm all for this little experiment. I didn't you mind know? with like Mulan and stuff when it came. I, I didn't watch Mulan. We did watch Trolls World Tour and it was like 20 bucks. I don't mind paying 20 bucks to watch a movie at home while it's in the theater. I mean, it's ease, right? Like movie theaters by me are still closed. I think they'll be closed for a while. So Wonder Woman comes out at Christmas, for example. I would see Wonder Woman in theaters if there's a theater open, but there's not. Mm -hmm. My whole thing is I would watch comedies and dramas, like low-budget type stuff on HBO Max, Mm -hmm. whereas I would still go to theaters for Marvel or DC or Star Wars or something big. I think it's the best of both worlds. I'm actually very intrigued to see how this goes. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily a negative. I will have a lot less people looking at me weird when I don't wear pants to the movie this way. Just one person making rude comments. I mean, less just people one make, person making le, rude le, comments. Less critiques. people making disparaging <laughs> comments. Go put on pants. <laughs> but I don't know. I'm not as opposed to this as a lot of people seem to be. I think it could work out. Yeah, well, I could see it working. I just don't know how they're going to make their money back, honestly. Well, you saw they had to throw $10 million extra dollars at Gal Gadot and uh, Patty Jenkins yeah. to sign on for Wonder Woman 3. They say they won't get their back end seeing the original contract from box office return. So they threw Whoa. $10 million more at each of them. Which I can understand, like, I understand theaters being pissed. I can understand talent being pissed if they had, like, things in their contracts, like back end box office profits or whatever. But mm-hmm. I think for the general audience, it's a good thing. Yeah. 
there's something else I wanted to bring up, Julia, especially for you. Yeah. So all the Spider-Man news, have you been following all this? No. Marvel? Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst, uh, Alfred Molina, and Electro. Jamie Foxx are all officially signed on to be in the new Spider-Man movie with Tom Holland. So they're clearly doing a dimension into the Spider-Verse type thing. Which isn't that exactly what they're doing with The Flash? Right. And so, well, that's what I was telling Sarah. I was like, it's funny because The Flash and Spider-Man are coming out the same year. And WB announced Michael Keaton and all the Batman and a few Batman coming back. So, of course, they're doing that with Spider-Man now, too. Right. But I'm excited because I love things like that. Like, I think it'll be cool. Apparently, the rumor title is Spider-Man Home Dimension because they have to have home in every title now. Isn't yeah, they do. That's that's true. They do. And with hey, Doctor like, Strange, I mean, they could put... with Doctor Strange confirmed to be in it too, it makes sense that something mm-hmm. like that would happen. He's taken yeah, over totally Tony does. Stark's mentorship role. Oh, okay, interesting. It feels okay. derivative. I mean, it could be they could have derivative in the title, and I would still see it probably in the I'm, theaters. I mean, let's face it. If there were I've said it before. If there's a Mount Rushmore of superheroes, Spider-Man would be on it. Yeah, he would. Love Spider-Man. I, I mean, I've said before, regardless of who your superhero choice is, it'd probably be Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, and like Wonder Woman and Wolverine. Mm. That would be your five. Oh, gross. No, Wolverine does not deserve to be in the, car- in the same camp as those guys. I think just from popularity, they probably would. I want Rorschach up there. Excited for the new Rorschach miniseries coming out. Uh, me too. Set in modern day. Exciting stuff. Wonder Woman could push me to get HBO Max. Wait, you saw the first one finally? Because I remember when that came out. Wonder Woman. Oh yeah, I saw it in theaters. Because I remember when that came out, and I I know I'm usually the opening night guy, you were like, you weren't sure if you were going to see it because you didn't see her in Batman versus Superman, though you knew she was the best part of that from what critics were saying. So I never knew you actually saw it. You loved it, though? No, I said I was definitely going to see Wonder Woman because the only only part I even saw or enjoyed or whatever were snippets of her from when she was in Batman versus Superman. And I was like, she's a goddess. I mean, she's she, also literally, but like, I, yeah, like I, uh, yes, yeah, she is. I'm totally in it. I love Wonder Woman so much. And the she's thing I like so about her too is like, she is Wonder Woman. Like when you see all the charity stuff she does for little kids yeah. and going to hospitals dressed as Wonder Woman and like, yeah, yeah, she's she legit is. a good person. I love that. She is. As opposed to Tom Holland, who is a real jerk face in real life. Is he really? Yeah. He's a total a-hole. Well, he loves himself. It's like that kind of a-hole. Wait, Tom Holland as Spider-Man Tom Holland? Yeah. That's sad, though. I know. He plays such a lovable nerd underdog. Like, you want him to be like that in real life. He's not. Whereas if you told me that about Robert Downey Jr., I'd believe that because he's Tony Stark in real life. But apparently he's very good with cherries and stuff, too. Yes. Yes, exactly. I would not believe that for a minute about Robert Downey Jr., Really? I don't know because he see he is basically playing himself in those Iron Man movies. He is playing himself in Iron Man. Yeah, but I feel he's like he plays so it funny ironically. In real life, though. I, I like, yeah, I feel right. like he's almost parodying himself in those movies. Right. Tom Holland. By the not. by the way, did I <laughs> did I ever tell you this? That did you know the spoiler alert for anyone who's lived under a rock and hasn't seen Endgame yet? Did you know how that his final scene was supposed to go in Endgame? 
how it was scripted. It was supposed to be what? more Tony Stark and sarcasm. What's Endgame? <laughs> when he when he wears the gauntlet, did you know he was supposed to stay instead of I am Iron Man? What? He was supposed to make a Tony Stark-esque Robert Downey Jr. type joke. So when Thanos realizes he has the stones, he was going to hold him up and go, oh, snap. And then, and then, and then. Oh, well, thank God that didn't happen. You know who changed it? Robert Downey Jr. Who? He he improvised it on set. I am Iron Man. Which is exactly what he said. And exactly what he should have said. Yep. Oh snap! Are you freaking kidding me? Well, they shot it three. Tips. They shot it three ways. They shot it the scripted way. They shot it <laughs> with a you, <laughs> which you can see that unedited on YouTube. And then they shot. I'm it also I very glad that man. didn't make it. I'm so glad so. they didn't go with F U. I would have been really upset. As a New Yorker, if I was going to sacrifice my life for the universe because I knew it was a one shot, I'd probably say something like that too. Like, follow <laughs> you. That is not going to be how I go out. <laughs> Wait, did Iron Man die at the end of Endgame? Did you really not see it, Tom? No, I haven't seen it. Well, that's a live so, watch we need to do in the slow months because I would watch that and do commentary any well, day. Well, I'm just—I feel kidding? so overwhelmed by Marvel. There's too much Marvel that I have not seen. But if you just get through Endgame, then that's your hop-off point because then at least you saw the whole main story until the next one that's about to start. Yeah, Endgame's the best just one. Do it. Just Christmas. do it. Like mm-hmm. Nike. Just do well, it. I don't see it now. I know Iron Man dies. So thanks no, for that. You've got to watch it. You've got to watch it. it. You have to watch it. So my my dad likes all these superhero movies and stuff. So when he's on, so he saw, he never saw Endgame in full. Then they go to Florida to their place. He was like, so I watched Endgame. It was really good. I was like, cool. What part did you get up to? And now, you know, from New York to Florida, it's like two and a half hours. That movie's almost three. He said, oh, I got to the part where the Hulk puts on the gauntlet to bring everyone back. And I'm like, you're literally missing out the best part of the freaking movie. Like, He just stopped? Well, that's in the plain land. Oh, oh. Okay, I'm with you now. So I'm like, just I'll lend <laughs> you my freaking HBO or Voodoo or whatever. Finish the movie. That's when it gets good. That's when it really gets good. The whole movie's good. Speaking the of movie good gives movies, me the feels. The movie does give me the feels too. Speaking of movies that give me the feels. Speaking of movies that gives me the feels, tonight we are covering the Hulu original holiday film, 2020 brand new, Happiest Season. Quick plot synopsis for those who don't know. Although if you're part of our Facebook group, you've probably seen posts about this due to some controversy, but we won't get into that. Happiest Season is about a young woman with a plan to propose to her girlfriend while at her family's annual holiday party who discovers her partner hasn't yet come out to her conservative family. So let's run through the cast real quick before we get into overall thoughts because we would all have the same history. It was announced this year. We may or may not have seen the trailer. It came out this year. So we all have the same history. So playing our protagonist, Abby, is Kristen Stewart, who is best known and probably most mocked, fairly or unfairly, for playing Bella Swan in the Twilight series. But she's had a few, I say fairly too. I know Julia likes that series. But she's been in plenty since Twilight. She's been in Panic Room, another movie Julia likes that I also really like. Mm -hmm. She's been in Speak, Catch That Kid, Zathura, A Space Adventure, which is the space equivalent of Jumanji, Into the Wild, Snow White and the Huntsman, Camp X-Ray, Still Alice equals personal shopper and most recently charlie's angels and underwater are we Kristen stewart fans excluding this movie no 
I don't mind Kristen Stewart. I think I think her most popular movies had very poor tools to work with, and therefore she was underutilized. Okay, I would agree with that, and I would say unlike Robert Pattinson, who overcame the Twilight stigma because he's been in like really good stuff since then, I feel like she hasn't really had that opportunity, so people still associate her most with Twilight. I when you were saying unfortunate tools, were you talking about Robert Pattinson? Oh, Why he's been a lot of re- he's been in a lot of really good acclaimed stuff since Twilight. I'll say this: I never had a crush on Kristen Stewart. But like Charlie's Angels, and, which was awful, and this movie, she's a hottie McTotty. So I never thought what? she. What? Yeah, she is. I what? I've always thought Kristen Stewart was beautiful. Which which is funny when you think of Twilight because she's supposed to be the most bland next door girl according to the right. Books. No, Wait, I think I've always thought she was beautiful. You're a Twilight fan, right, Julia? I did very much enjoy. Books too? Why hard? Yeah, I like the books too. Did you read the new No, I wasn't quite to that level. Did you read Midnight Sun with from Edward's perspective? No. Uh I was just curious. Twilight was one of those things where it got me at just the right time in my life. And then it's not something I can ever revisit because it takes a certain amount of naivete to read those. Were you you team Edward or team Jacob? Oh, I was team Edward, of course. I was team Jacob. Were you really? You were a werewolf fan? I've always been more, well, technically, I was team Volturi because they were the coolest vampires in those whole books. But I mean, I Martin Jacob Sheen, between the two. Any day, all day. Although that finale was still a cop out, just saying. <laughs> always a cop out when they do that. I think it's funny to me that so many people have problems with Kristen Stewart because they say that everything she does, she's the same person. She's not. She's the same person in every movie, which, I mean, she plays a certain character, but why is that a problem with Kristen Stewart, but it's not with Keanu Reeves? Nobody craps on Keanu Reeves for being the exact same person and not a great actor in every single movie. I do. I do. Uh, well, But we haven't covered fault. him. You don't like John Wick? Keanu Reeves. <laughs> I really like John Wick, and I really like okay. him as Duke, Mag- uh, Duke uh, what's his name? Duke Kaboom. Duke Kaboom. What about I will never, him in I everything will he's ever been in. not what? <laughs> I will never not laugh when he's going to make that jump in Toy Story 4 and pictures his, pictures his old owner and he's like, Rishon. Rishon. <laughs> I will never not laugh at, I know Kung Fu. <laughs> <laughs> so playing Harper, Abby's girlfriend, and to me, one of the worst characters in this movie is Mackenzie Davis. How do you pick one of the worst characters when there's an entire family full of them? Uh, we'll get into why when we talk this movie, but she she made her feature film debut in Smashed. She appeared in Breathe In, That Awkward Moment, The Martian, and Blade Runner 2049. And she was also in Halt and Catch Fire, the TV show, as she appeared in the critically acclaimed San Junipero episode of Black Mirror. It was a great episode. Oh, she also starred in Terminator, Dark Fate, as Grace. Oh, they're making Station Eleven a miniseries? Yeah, they are. And I love that freaking, uh, I love that book. Love that book. That is an absolutely amazing book. And just so y'all know, this guy got Emily St. John Mandel to come to Tulsa. Of course you did. Of course you did. (laughs) Why are we neither of us surprised by that? (laughs) I was so excited when I got her to come. By the way, guys, that's going to appear on HBO. Perk of HBO, 
sending all the movies to HBO Max. Tons of Patreon content. Is there okay. a sponsorship I don't know about? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I'm just very, I'm Anthony, just very happy with HBO right now. And WB, I, technically, the parent company. Are we Mackenzie Davis fans? Meh. Like in general? Or do either of you have histories with her in general? Really? Yeah. I mean, outside, I, I the stuff I've seen her in has been phenomenal. So yeah, sure. Yeah, but I don't see her out. Not yet. Yeah. Anyway. I'm going to withhold judgment until I see Station Eleven. Touche. Well, I Somebody might just have to rejudge her. Oh, Himesh Patel is in it. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I'm so freaking excited. It's going to be amazing. I love him so much. Because yesterday is like a brilliant movie. Okay, I'll stop. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I love that movie. Playing Sloane, Harper's eldest sister, is Allison Brie. I think we're all familiar with Allison Brie, right? She's been yeah, in Mad are. Men, Community, Bojack Horseman, Glow, which was sadly canceled. She was in Scream 4, The Five-Year Engagement, The Lego Movie. Uh, I'm zero I- familiar with her. None. You no haven't seen any of those? I have seen didn't none we, of those things. Didn't we cover Community? No, no not yet. I put that okay. on next year's list because you've been well, saying we need to. Cover for it. Yeah, exactly. Alison okay. Brie is amazing. I love Alison Brie. Uh, she looked a lot older and more mature in this than she usually looks. Like She usually is, plays a young, ditzy, whatever. But uh, I love Alison Brie. And I'm very sad Glow isn't getting another season. That show is awesome. A Netflix wrestling show, Glow. I didn't watch it. They have an awesome Christmas special. Uh, I also loved her in Scream 4. And speaking of Scream 4, somebody who went for her role in Scream 4, somebody we've covered before, didn't get the role, Aubrey Plaza, who April on Parks and Rec, so we don't have to cover her again. We've covered her. We all love her. Love her. Playing John, Abby's best friend, Dan Levy, who (laughs) most people will know. His most famous starring role, Shit's Creek. David show. Shit. Dave, David Shit on Shit's Creek, which also had an amazing Christmas episode, which we need to cover next year. I still haven't seen that show. You would love that show. So uh, this is takes, my first seeing him, and after seeing uh, him in this movie, all I want to watch is Shit's Creek. So let me tell you, it takes a while to get Shit's Creek, but it, if you can get through the first few episodes, like the, it the first is, half season, it's a yeah, it's a slow burn, but it is a phenomenal show. You will, you yeah. will Julia, Julia, he's Eugene Levy's son. Yes. I know. I was just about to say, like, so, why would I not want to watch him all the time because it's Eugene so, Levy's son? Yes. So please. Julia, I know your thing is you need to like your characters. You have to get through the first half of season because okay. nobody's likable at first. Okay. But it's a okay. slow burn, and they become the most likable people. You you would love it. They're if like I the know. family member. They're like the family members you're embarrassed of. You you like them. You I mean, it's you rooting for them, but they do make you cringe a lot. It's Eugene Levy and Dan Levy and Catherine O'Hara. You cannot go wrong with that show. Yeah. No. I know Alexis is just kind of like I love the girl there. who plays Alexis. I do too, but she's but as far as like her character is not as good as as David, for example. True. David steals that show one hundred percent. Speaking and of Stevie. stealing, spe- stealing, speaking, stealing something. One of my favorite characters in this movie, Jane Harper's sister, <laughs> played by Mary Holland. Um, <laughs> she hasn't really had a big starring breakout role, but she's um she she's been in a lot of stuff as you know guest actress supporting roles she was in mike and dave need wedding dates between two ferns and movies she was in silicon valley parks and rec she was in an episode the mindy project it's always sunny in philadelphia veep 
new girl, fresh out the boat, Kirby enthusiasm. Uh, she's done a voice in two episodes of Harley Quinn. So she's been in a lot as like, you know, supporting. So. Star Wars Jedi Temple. She's 83 yep. voice. Crazy ex-girlfriend. So playing Ted, Harper's father, is an actor I think most of us are familiar with, who Sarah thinks is a very good looking older man, Victor yes. Garber. He uh, looks so British. He's mm-hmm. not. He's Canadian. I know, but he looks British. He does have a British look. Yeah. You could put him on you could put him in a suit and stand him in the cast of Downton Abbey and nobody would question. I mean, was didn't he play a did he play a Brit in Titanic or did he play an American? I think he was an American, wasn't he? I think he I think was, an, he was American. an American. He was the captain of the ship, wasn't he? No, he wasn't the yeah. captain. He was one yeah. of the he was one of the like the quarters? first mates or something. Yeah, he was the like quarters. somebody on the yeah. ship. So okay. he started his career on the stage play on the stage playing roles like Jesus in Godspell, Anthony with oh, Eugene we've Levy. Been over this before. Yes, we have. Well, we have. Yes, we have. <laughs> Um, he's been he played Anthony and Sweeney Todd, John Wilkes Booth in Assassins. And he would later go on to earn four Tony Awards for his performances in Death Trap, Little Me, Lend Me and Tenor, and Damn Yankees. But for those who aren't play buffs, Broadway buffs, you would know him from Sleepless in Seattle, The First Wise Club, Legally Blonde. I loved him in Legally Blonde. He was in Titanic, Milk, Argo. He was in Alias, Law and Order, Frasier, Modern Family, Glee, Nurse Jackie, Louie, The Good Wife, Damages, and Schitt's Creek. And he was a series regular on Legends of Tomorrow, and he appeared and in Flash. a recurring capacity on The Flash. And, and, he was on Arrow. and Arrow. And Arrow. That's how Hannah knew him. She's and like, Supergirl. oh, I know that guy. He's on The Flash. He's like a DC Samuel L. Jackson type guy on the TV version of the DC shows. So, are we all Victor Garber fans? I love Victor Garber. I do too. There's something very likable about him, which is why Absolutely. I felt so poor, so betrayed and legally blonde when he hit on her. I know. So speak of, of legally Luke blonde, Wilson to the rescue because the Wilson brothers are amazing. Don't get me started on the Wilson brothers. That's why I said it. Anthony, this is not one we're going to start. I'm, I, I don't have it in me to deal with this. Speaking of Legally Blonde, Julia, did you see the picture of her, of her and her daughter, Reese Witherspoon, posted on social media lately? It's like a clone. A clone. They, I know. I know. I, I showed Marty and he's like, how is that even possible? Like they are officially making Legally Blonde 3. If they ha- have to do a flashback or something... No need to yeah, de-age daughter. Reese, who doesn't need de-aging anyway, let's face it, face it but yeah. he's her daughter. Yeah, they, are, they look so much alike, it's amazing. And playing Tipper, Harper's mother, somebody we are very familiar with on the show, Mary Steenbergen. That's right. In a role type, we've not covered her yet on the show. That is true. So that's our main cast. Overall thoughts on this movie, ladies first, Julia. I really like this movie. I really, really like this movie. I think it was very, very well done. It's a beautiful movie. It feels Christmassy. It's got the dysfunctional family that I quite like. And it has like serious heart pang feels in it, like major heart pangs in this movie. And I was crying in it. And it's, it has some beautiful, beautiful moments in it. So very, very happy with this week's choice. Tom, what about you? I liked it. I didn't cry, but uh, it was fun. I adored this movie. I <laughs> loved this movie. And when I was watching it, I was like, 
I really wasn't sure what you two were going to think. I was like, it has a dysfunctional family element going for it. So mm-hmm. Julia, it may sway Julia, but I really wasn't sure. But I loved it. And I was surprised. Well, given the material, I wasn't surprised how, what, how did you describe Julia? Heart pain? Like yeah. these heart-wrenching moments. But it was Christmassy. The cast is great. Mm-hmm. And... I loved it. And I feel like it was true. So I have a lot of yeah. friends in the LGBTQ plus community who said they really related to this film. And, you know, just these stories, which we'll get into, because Dan Levy has a really good quote about the whole coming out story later on. Um, but they really related to it and I loved this movie. Though I did have a few friends who also said at the same time, they wish that every movie starring gay people wasn't always a coming out story. They wish it was just more normalized by that, now. That mm-hmm. was my frustrating point with it. Very, which is very fair criticism. And it's what Dan Levy says later on in the film, which we'll get to, because that's a really good quote. But everyone has a different coming out story, and it's always scary when they do it. So this movie, every gay person can relate to, right? A coming out story in some way, shape, or form. But he said at the same time, like, he would like to see it more normalized. Like, he'd, like, have better balance between the two, where it's a coming-out story versus a just a normal, established gay couple without the coming-out mm-hmm. element. But, yeah, I loved it. And I'm very happy you both liked it, too, because I really wasn't sure what you two were going to feel when I was watching it. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy it's not going to be a contentious week. So, this movie starts out. Abby Holland and Harper Caldwell are, have been dating for a year. They're living together. They're a lesbian couple. And Abby really dislikes Christmas since her parents passed away. And on a Christmas light tour of the town they're in, Harper spontaneously invites her to come home for Christmas and spend it with her and her family in light of that. Like, you'll like Christmas. I'm going to get you to like Christmas. So... Abby is very excited. She gets her best friend, John, to watch her, to watch her pets. And this is one of my favorite running gags. He, every hand in the fish, forgetting to feed the fish, and then you see him scooping out the dead fish. And where can I get replace? Where can I get a fish if I wanted one exactly like the one you have? <laughs> that made me laugh so much. It was good. But, um, Abby plans on proposing to Harper at this family gathering, talking to her father. And proposing to her, uh, getting his permission to propose to her, which <laughs> I love how I love, again, John is like, oh, way to, way to give an old white man all this power, way to <laughs> you know, satiate the patriarchy. <laughs> um, because John is gay as well. Her best friend is gay. But Abby is thrown for a loop because on the way to the Caldwell's house, the next day, Harper kind of has this panic attack and admits to Abby my parents just were roommates. They don't know I'm gay. I'm afraid it will interfere with my dad's campaign. Her dad's a mayor. Or he's running for mayor. So running should, for mayor. He's not mayor yet. She thinks it will interfere with the campaign, so she doesn't want to come out to her family until after Christmas. So keep the secret until then. I love you. I will come out to them eventually, but I need you to play it cool until after the campaign, after the holidays. So she asks her basically to pretend to be straight, like she's going to be for the week and abby reluctantly agrees we see immediately why harper's been keeping the secret because it's a cast of characters this family yeah julia do you want to tell us what the family's like okay so we first i don't remember what order we meet them but obviously we meet them meet the mom first so mary steenbergen is not the warm mother she is an elf in this movie she's real harsh and you can tell she's 
that stuffy Reggie. upper crest. Yeah. She, she's like touchy. a politician's wife. The minute they, they ring the doorbell, yeah. she throws open the door and takes a picture with her iPad for the social media. That's right. She is a politician's wife. Yeah. To a T. Um, and you can tell she was, had high expectations of her kids. Yep. And except for one. <laughs> except for the first daughter you meet, Jane. Jane is sweet and precious and has like zero boundaries whatsoever with other no, people. No social skills. No social skills. And everybody in the family treats her like she's nine, like my nine-year-old right now, actually. Could anyone else relate to, <laughs> I really related to her in the sense that, oh, you've been working on that. She's a wannabe sci-fi writer who's been working on her book yes. for like 10 years at this point. And I thought to myself, yes. oh, me, Tom and Julia are all aspiring writers. I bet we can all relate to this <laughs> right now. But, <laughs> but none of us sit around and talk about our world building with everybody we meet at every opportunity we can. I loved, I loved every so bit of her world building because she clearly yeah. had her own language. She was talking about the most yeah. fantastic Fantastical, but it was, and it was yeah. always out was of funny. context, so it was very funny. Yeah, she's she's like an eager Labrador puppy, the whole movie. Oh. And her <laughs> parents are always saying, like, not giving her tasks to handle because they don't think she can do it. And every you can tell everybody's just real put out with her. Um, but she's the most loving, giving character in the movie, yep. and you can see it right away. Like, no pretenses at all with this one. And then you meet Dad. So Ted seems very caring and open and kind of, he's a, he's a girl dad is my first thought was he's clearly a dad with three girls, right? He's surrounded by girls and he seems very nice at the beginning um, throughout the movie. And you can tell that Harper loves her dad the best. And really wants to please her dad. Yes. Yes. Um, And then we meet the last sister, which is Sloan, (laughs) my least favorite. Perfectionist. (laughs) Yes. Perfectionist. And we hear we hear about her from the mom before we meet her. And what we hear from the mom is she was ready to make partner and had an amazing law future ahead of her. And then she decided to get married, have kids, and make gift baskets for a living. And you can tell like it's it's not even veiled. She's got contempt about the choices her daughter has made. Well, I think she is Anthony's favorite. She is not. Weird. She's the one. She's the one with the infidelity issue. So I would think that would have her, like, oh getting points in Anthony's book. I can understand why she had the infidelity issues. Anyway, I'm gonna take issue with something you said, Julia. They were not yes. gift baskets, as she oh. was very quick to point out. <laughs> they were curated, handmade vessels. Vessels. <laughs> that Goop picked up. By the way, no, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I also want to talk about, real quick, point out that uh, not only is this a diverse movie about mm-hmm. a gay couple, but we also have an interracial marriage in this family. She's married to a black man and has interracial mixed kids. Mixed she has kids. the shining kids. They're just- Oh, that's exactly what Sarah said. <laughs> they're like, so her, creepy, y'all. When Abby Those first wakes up creepy. and they're just in her room staring, she yeah. was like, oh my God, they're the twins in the I shining. Mean, they totally played up that feeling of alienation by casting twins. Okay. Because twins are kind of creepy in general and they played up the creepiness of twins in this movie. So not all twins are creepy, but for a rom-com purposes, they're the creepy twins that are totally stereotyped. So, so that's most of our family or that is our family. Sloan and Harper do not get along. Not at all. And if, if Jane was was any less, 
Yeah, if Jane was any less kind and caring and kind of big dumb animal, I mean, she would probably be a character where none of these sisters would likely get along. But she's the peacemaker, and she's just kind of in her own world. So, she but is, yeah, there's contention. She's a ador- she's adorable. There's no other word to describe her. this character, but adorable. I really loved I her. Mm-hmm. So, so that first night they get in, they are, well, it's funny because they give Mary Steenburgen, uh, Tipper is her name. They get she gives Abby a room downstairs. Uh, she gives Abby a room, and Abby it made me laugh. She makes a comment like, "Oh, I thought me and Harper were going to share a room," and she's like, "I'm not going to let two. I'm not going to have two grown women share a room, Abby." And it just made me laugh. It sounds like you were doing high oh, school, right? You know, like or even coming home from college, you'd share a bed to sleep over, right? But no, <laughs> not in this house. It's and it's not even a house, right? It's like a little big mansion. So that first night, they all go to dinner, and Tipper is one of these mothers who is clearly like, "Oh, my daughter is still single. You need to settle down. Your old boyfriend, who we love, Connor, is still single." And lo and behold, she Invited arranged to. Him accidentally bump into him at this restaurant aka she mm-hmm. invited him mm-hmm. which, he's like you told me to be here at six she's like oh i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> which automatically makes abby uncomfortable she's uncomfortable at this point by seeing how uh, this hold the family has over harper just in the little time yeah. she spent with them but now she runs into connor the ex-boyfriend and when she, her her Harper takes her to the bathroom to talk to her and apologize. That's when they run into Riley, ex-girlfriend. played by Aubrey Plaza, Harper's ex-girlfriend. So Abby, right off the bat, is feeling uncomfortable. And that night, she calls John. David, and, or John. Yeah. John, and, uh, you know, just to check in, see how things are going, commiserate about her day. He's accidentally killed one of her fish. He didn't see the fish. He doesn't tell her that, though. But that's really funny. <laughs> and, uh... He he thinks it's very weird that Harper has her playing straight for a whole weekend without and brought her along without telling anyone. I think everybody would without telling weird, her, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So right off the bat, you sympathize with Abby. Yep. And and John says this later on, like everyone's coming out story is different. Everyone does it at different times. So it's not the fact that she hasn't come out yet. It's the fact that she brought Abby along to Christmas after they've been dating for a year, she's hid from Abby for a year that she's not out. And she brought her along without telling her until they're five minutes from the house that she's still in the closet. Mm -hmm. Anyone would be uncomfortable in this situation. Mm -hmm. So Ted is running for mayor. So everything over this holiday season, they're trying to further this campaign. Like uh, Tipper wants a perfect family picture to post on social media. Mm -hmm. And Ted is trying to impress this local donor from the city who he's trying to get to donate to his campaign. And that kind of Wait, drives the, everything. Was she going to run the campaign? Or was it just a donation? Did I misunderstand that? She I was going to run it or have some active hand in it perpetuating throughout the campaign. So he is desperate not to jeopardize this. So he wants to put the best foot forward, put forward this picture perfect family. And Abby inadvertently threatens this when she goes shopping they all go shopping for white elephant gifts and the evil little kids she's put in charge of watching for Sloane put, put a necklace into her bag and she's caught awful. shoplifting. Oh. And we had two people we've covered on the show before as the two small security guards who <laughs> interrogate her. One from Veep, one from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And mm-hmm. 
that scene was really funny. They have her in a dark room, spotlight on. <laughs> then another mall security guard opens the door, and she's in the basically a basically like a storeroom full of donuts and like toys and stuff. And he's like, "Are there any, are there any donuts left over?" <laughs> and the two mall security guards get pissed, but not as pissed as Ted and Tipper do when they think Abby actually stole this necklace. Right to the point they uninvite her from uninvited her night, to dinner. Which I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like if my parent, if I went to my girlfriend's house and my parents did that, I'd be like, I'm leaving. I'm not staying another day. And I'd expect Sarah to have done the same thing if it was reversed, you know? I think that's what we were supposed to get here was there was no defense. Yeah. Right. And this makes Abby feel like even more of an outsider, but she really loves Harper and she decides to put up with it. So she goes out on her own that night and she runs into Riley, Harper's first girlfriend. And they go to a drag bar where, first of all, the performance is awesome where they're singing, uh, you know, what's that? What's the name of that song anyway? Who's got a beard that's bum bum bum? What's the name of that? I've heard it a million times. I don't know the name of that song. Must be Santa. Uh, must be Santa. That's probably what it's called. Yeah, good point. But it's here she learns from Riley that her and Harper's relationship ended because Harper denied her sexuality when it got out in school that they were dating. And Not only she, denied it, but she threw her under the bus. She threw her yes. under the bus saying she had an inappropriate crush on her, essentially. She was gay and had an inappropriate crush on her as making her feel uncomfortable. Which, at this point, I'm already not liking Harper, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, from the way she's letting her family treat Abby. But when this comes out, that, like, high school That's some is, junk. High school is bad, even for the in the best of circumstances for a lot of kids. But you're dating somebody, you're gay, and she does that to you. I can't even imagine. Like, Yeah, it's awful. All things considered, Riley seems like a real, well-rounded character. She got over it, and she seems to be very successful and happy now. But, her par- but Harper's parents still talk bad about Riley and her life choices. Mm-hmm. So Abby leaves Riley to go meet up with Harper and her friends at a bar. Mm-hmm. Harper does nothing to make her feel welcome. No families are around. It's literally just her friends. And she doesn't include her in the jokes, laughs, anything. So Abby feels uncomfortable and leaves again. And Harper lets her go and is like, I'm going to stay here with my ex-boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like Harper is losing points by like the second. Yep. And if I had a criticism of the movie, I think there is a way to make them both feel really sympathetic. Because you do feel some sympathy for Harper, but they I just... don't think they want us to feel sympathetic for her, though. I think they do, towards the end, when you find out, like, when she, why she did all this. But, like, I think they could have made makes her you a more feel... sympathetic character. What makes you feel sympathetic to Harper is John's speech to Abby, a scene that doesn't even include Harper at all, right. makes you feel sympathetic to Harper. Uh, and... And, we'll, and we'll get to that, because I thought that was the best performance of the film, very closely followed by Mary Steenburgen's performance when she talks to Victor Garber alone in the study after, after crap everything. goes down on Christmas Eve. I thought that was very powerful too. Mm-hmm. So literally the two performances that make you feel worse, bad for Harper, don't even involve her at all. The yeah. actress or the character at all. Right. So it, That's I mean, I totally was- agree. Yeah. It's heavy. It's pretty heavy handed right. with the Harper disconnection. Right. If you try and marry that with the end of the movie, it's a little difficult. 
Right. Right. Yeah. And like I said, that's my one criticism. I feel like they could have done that more subtly to your point. Although I will say Kristen Stewart's reactions to all the hurt are great. They feel real and their chemistry is phenomenal. Their chemistry is phenomenal. I like the chemistry between what's his name and Kristen Stewart between uh, John and Kristen Stewart. Yes. Yes. Yeah, they had, yeah. you, you could tell, best friends. You, you really bought they were best friends for like years at this point. Yeah, yep. Which, again, this goes to what I was saying in the cast. I truly think Kristen Stewart is a good actress. She just hasn't really, I mean, this movie gave her great material. I feel mm-hmm. like I wish more filmmakers would take a chance on her and see her outside of that Twilight context because I feel like, like Robert Pattinson, she deserves better. Yep. So, of course... You know, we're kind of glossing over the little minute details. Of course, this is a comedy, so there are little uh, comedies of errors of them playing the whole straight thing. Like, they hook up in Kristen Stewart's bedroom one night. She has to hide behind the door when Mary Steenburgen comes in in the morning. The kids hear through the door, etc. Like, there are funny moments like that throughout. But the next day is Christmas Eve, the annual Christmas Eve party, which is also half a donor event for him. It's also a half a campaign event for Ted. Yeah. And, um... John shows up unannounced to take Abby to take home. Abby home, which was just... He comes in the door and he just goes, Abby! <laughs> <laughs> just yells it out. Like, that made me laugh so much. Yep, Sorry. like, this is it. We're leaving. It's over. You are not staying here anymore. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it was, a, her- it was a good friend move. Oh, absolutely. And the good friend move, too. Like, then when she doesn't want to... When she's not going to leave, he decides to stick around and just join the park which is uh, yeah. he, he just made himself right at home didn't he yeah. this wasn't his first awkward rodeo i feel like we all have friends like that too right <laughs> who can literally just join any situation no i think qualms. that's me like that's, that's you. totally you that's you totally everybody you. needs a friend like you yeah. i think i just impose myself in situations and i'm fine with it yeah. i truly wish you lived closer to do that in more awkward moments for me tom i really do oh, i love i love awkward moments and julia I, I feel like you would be a good friend to show up and rescue somebody too oh yeah give me the chance that would have to get julia out of the house though anyway harper begs abby to stay and they go in the closet to talk and they're about to which heavy-handed with the imagery a little bit <laughs> yes just a little a few bit times just a, few a little times. bit a few times they may yeah the the phrasing of certain things in this movie and the imagery is a little heavy-handed but yeah i get it like they these are nitpicks because again i really like this movie mm-hmm. so they're about to kiss in the closet after they made up and that's when sloan walks in and Welcome sloan is eager to out that out harper because she feels like harper's always been the favorite and Harper's been perfect in her parents' eyes while she's always been pushed aside. And uh, she's eager to how- out her. Harper is begging not to. And this is where I forget how, because I only watched the movie once. It's the same scene we find out Harper uh, Sloan's getting a divorce from her husband. She's been keeping that secret. How did that come yeah. out? Like, how did that reveal happen to? Well, they inadvertently or on purpose open a closet door while they're grabbing for Garland and beating each other up and all that stuff. The closet opens and he's in there with that making woman. Out. I don't remember what her role was in the movie, but um, he's in there making out with her. And you think the reaction's going to be, oh my gosh, why are you kissing her? Right. Instead, it's, we were going to wait and do this later. Right. So you're like, right. oh. You knew. You've known. So Sloan is desperate to out 
Harper. Whereas Harper's like, if you do that, I'm going to tell everyone you're getting divorced. They get into this literal physical fight in addition to a yeah. shouting match that carries into the living room where the whole just, party's gathered. Mm-hmm. And Sloan asks her, and, it, and my heart breaks here for Jane because the minute Sloan asks her, Harper picks up this, which I think is a beautiful painting. Everyone seemed unsure beautiful. of it. It was a painting it was of the weird, Main Street though. in town. It was, I would have loved a painting like that. That's a weird house. white elephant gift to bring, though. Not for Jane. Yeah. She painted this beautiful picture of downtown Philly, wherever they are. And as soon as Sloan outs Harper, Harper picks up this Kansas painting and brings it smashing down over Sloan's head, tearing it. And this is the first time you see Jane anything but happy in the movie. She's like on the verge of tears. I worked so hard on that. I'm worth something too in this family. That's what made me sad. She, and it the breaks, feelings that she had. It breaks your heart. Yeah. But and, what Harper said right before that was after Sloan outs her, she goes, you're lying. You're lying. And gay. Abby. Yeah, she denied it. Abby, you Abby can see Abby the, in the, the staging is beautiful, by the way, in this one, because you can see Abby in the background, like, slump. Like, her whole body just yep. She slumps. She, she shakes her head and walks out of the house. And yep. this is where you see John, too. He puts his drink down and walks right out after her. Yeah. He goes out and he says, you want to take a walk? Yes. He goes on a walk with her. And this is where he tells her coming out can is different for every person he asks her her coming out story and says he was glad it went that way for her for me i didn't talk to my dad or whoever for years after and he said it's different for everyone you can't judge harmony for not coming out on your terms essentially she has to come out on her own terms and to your well, because because abby was saying i thought she loved me enough Right? Like, mm-hmm. I love her so much. I thought she loved me just as much. And he makes the good point of this really doesn't have anything to do with how much she loves you. Right. He says coming out is terrifying for every gay person and it has nothing to do with Harper's love for you. Mm-hmm. And to your point, both of your points, this makes you feel more for Harper than anything Harper yes. herself does. Yes. Meanwhile, back in the house, so they drive off. He's taking her home. Meanwhile, back in the house, Harper is realizing that her behavior might have cost a relationship with Abby, who she actually really does love. So she tells the truth to her parents, confirming that she's a lesbian, which inspires then Sloane. Sloane is touched. She kind of has a change of heart here. She feels bad for outing her. So she doesn't want her to have this big moment alone, kind of. She doesn't want her to be out there alone, to be judged alone. So she also says, and you know what, mom and dad, I'm getting a divorce. And Jane, sweet little Jane, doesn't want to be left out here either. So she's like, she reveals how she's felt neglected all these years. And she says, I don't have any secrets, but I am an ally. Yeah, I I am an ally. Yeah, I love that too. So as they're saying this stuff, as Harper comes out, you're holding your breath, right? To see how the parents are going to react. And Ted Ted walks out of the room. He just shakes his hand, walks out of the room, and Mary Steenberg and Tipper follows him. So Harper leaves to go after Abby. She doesn't, she's not going to get through to her parents tonight. So as she goes to, leave, to go after Abby, we get this, what I think is one of the best scenes in the movie, and it's when Tipper confronts her husband, Ted, in his okay. study. Yeah. And she's like near tears. And she's like, you know, we've put so much pressure on these girls to have the big happy family, but one girl is afraid to, one 
Harper's afraid to reveal who she is because of how I'll react, and Sloane staying in a miserable marriage because who have how afraid she's afraid how we're gonna react. And Jane, well, we gave up on her when she started when she still sucked on her toes or whatever <laughs> as a kid. But it does not seem like we have the happy family you want to project or think you do, Ted. And it's a beautiful piece of acting from Mary Steenburgen. And it's kind of like her Linus moment in this moment. And you can see Ted smulling over what she says because she eventually walks out of the room and leaves him alone. Yeah, but then we see Ted's moment when the phone rings. That's the next yes. day. So Harper That's goes the to next Ab- day. Yeah. Harper catches up with Abby and John on the road. She tracked them because John taught her how to track Abby. Oh, that phone. was the funniest <laughs> ongoing joke where John is continually <laughs> defending that he tracks all of his friends. And uh, she says, I truly am in love with you. I want to build a life for you. And Abby forgives her. They kiss. They go home. Mm-hmm. Next morning is Christmas. They're all in their pajamas the next morning in front of the tree. Tipper comes in. They all look expectantly waiting for Ted to come in. She shakes her head like, you have to give him time. Mm-hmm. But he comes in moments later, apologizes to his daughters for making them feel they always had to be perfect. And that's when you see his Linus moment because he gets a phone call from his donor, from uh, the person he want, really wanted to impress to run his campaign, who says she'll support him, but only if Harper stays quiet about her personal life because she won't then, support him if she's out. And what does he do, Tom? They, they cut. We don't know what's going to happen. The scene cuts. Mm-hmm. And then he goes out to his family and his wife asks him about like the donor if they're still okay and he says yeah i don't think it's gonna work out mm-hmm. yeah so he rejected it because he doesn't want to start her pretending to be somebody she's not anymore and this mm-hmm. is where tipper finally gets her family picture with abby included this time because the whole movie mm-hmm. she's trying to get this picture with abby taking it mm-hmm. and then we get one year later abby and harper are engaged Jane has become her best-selling fantasy sci-fi author, which I loved. Well, because Um, because John is her agent. And uh, Ted is now mayor. He won the election without that Mm -hmm. person's help. Mm -hmm. And one year later, it's Christmas Eve, and the whole family goes to the movie theater to watch It's a Wonderful Life. Mm -hmm. And Abby and Harper smile at one another, and we fade to black the end. And it, it was a beautiful movie. It really, mm-hmm. really John was. was at the movie theater with them for some reason. John is part of their extended family. John has just made himself part of this family. Yep. Well, sure. And him and Jane bonded so fast. I loved how he sat down and she was telling him, Jane was telling him about the worlds as she's created and he just picked right up on it. And he's well, just he's like, a, oh, well, because agent, of the blah, right? blah, and the blah, blah. Yeah. But like, yes. Like that's, I don't know. I like that he validated her too. Made me happy. So this movie, I didn't mention it earlier, was directed by Clea Duval, who we covered yep. on the show. She actually played yep. in the Veep episode, her Secret Service agent. And she yep. said this movie was autobiographical. She said she, in many ways, it's her coming out story. It was her coming out story. So we didn't talk about it much, but this movie felt very Christmassy. All of the mm-hmm. music they played in this music was a variation of a Christmas song, which I love. Music was so good. It was mm-hmm. so good. I bought the album on iTunes right after because I really liked yeah. it. Yeah, and, it so uh, and it was very atmospheric. Like the town's mm-hmm. little main street decked out for Christmas and the house looked beautifully decorated. Mm-hmm. It was oh, yeah. nice. And I would argue it's a Christmas movie. Christmas was part of the plot. Abby hated Christmas. That necessitated the whole plot of her coming home to yeah. Harper Wants Show a Real Family Christmas. And Christmas was a part of the movie. Absolutely. So do we have quotes? Yes. So I have one while you're looking, Julia. 
Yep. And this one is from Tipper, and it's the more serious one. It's when she's talking to Ted after the daughters came out with their secrets to her them. And she says, we have been so worried about seeing seeming perfect, but maybe we don't even know what perfect is. We have one daughter who's been unhappy in a marriage and felt like she couldn't tell us, and another daughter who just had her heart broken because she was afraid we wouldn't love her if she told us the truth. And the only reason that Jane is okay is because we gave up on her after she wouldn't stop biting in preschool. That is very far from perfect, if you ask me. And again, I thought I loved that whole scene, and I thought that was like acting class right there for Mary Steenburgen. Yeah. It was great. And as somebody who has their own problems, not as serious as like trying to come out to my parents, but as somebody who has their own problems with their parents and trying to live up to expectations and their idea of perfect, like this movie came at a time when it really affected me. So. Yeah. Well, to trail on Jane, uh, when Jane is defending herself, right, after her painting has been smashed, we kind of referenced it a little bit earlier. It's when she says, I am something. And guess what? I like myself. And maybe you all don't because I'm not fancy. But whether you like it or not, I am a part of this family and I will not be left out anymore. Good for her. Call me crazy. But yeah, I like characters that can stand up and say, I like myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like who I am. That's, why, that's one of the reasons in Harry Potter, Luna is one of my favorites. She never tried to be different despite everyone yeah. judging her. She was who she yeah. was. So we talked about it earlier as well. I really like John and Abby's exchange after they leave the Christmas Eve party. And John says, hey, Harper not coming out to her parents has nothing to do with you. And Abby says, how could it not? And John says, remind me, what did your parents say when you told them you were gay? And Abby said "Um, that they loved and supported me. And John says, that's amazing. My dad kicked me out of the house and didn't talk to me for 13 years after I told him. Everybody's story is different. There was your version and my version and everything in between. But the one thing all of those stories have in common is that moment right before you say those words. When your heart is racing and you don't know what's coming next, that moment's really terrifying. And once you say those words, you can't unsay them. A chapter has ended and a new one's begun. You have to be ready for that. You can't do it for anyone else. And just because Harper isn't ready doesn't mean she never will be. And it doesn't mean she doesn't love you. And I thought that was beautiful. Um, I like at the beginning when Abby has told John that she's going to propose to Harper. And he goes, Abby, you and Harper have a perfect relationship. Why do you want to ruin it by engaging in one of the most archaic institutions in the history of human race? And Abby goes, because I want to marry her. Okay, you say that, but what you're actually doing is tricking the woman you claim to love by trapping her into a box of heteronormativity and trying to make her your property. She is not a rice cooker or a cake plate. She is a human being. Abby says, it's not about owning her. It's about building a life with her. She's my person. And I really want everyone to know that. He goes, I suppose that's one way of looking at it. So when are you going to ask her? Well, I was thinking of doing it on New Year's Eve, but now that I'm going home with her, I understand that it's really old fashioned, but I want to ask her dad for this blessing and propose on Christmas morning. John says, I'm sorry, ask her dad for his blessing. Way to stick it to the patriarchy. Really well done. So I'm going with another serious quote because I really thought the dramatic parts of this movie were really good. And it's when Abby and Harper are confronting each other at the Christmas Eve party before all hell breaks loose. And Abby's like, do you know how painful it's been to watch the person that I love choose to hide me? And Harper, and this is where I start feeling sympathy for Harper too, a little bit. She says, I am not hiding you. I am hiding me, okay? Our entire life, we have been expected to be this perfect golden children. 
Love in our house wasn't something we just got for free. It is something that we competed for. And if we veered off their course, we lost it. I know it's messed up, okay? I get it. But they're my parents. And I'm scared that if I tell them who I really am, then I will lose them. And I know that if I don't tell them, I will lose you. I don't want to lose you. And that's like to Tom's point, how people can relate, even though it's not the same situation. I relate to that type of childhood. So, mm-hmm. and the and the quote when Harper finally admits to her parents when she says, "Sloan wasn't lying. I'm gay, and I am in love with Abby." I'm sorry to tell you guys sooner, but I know how much appearances and reputation matter to you. And me being gay didn't fit into the plan. But I let myself hurt Riley because I was so scared that you'd find out. I wasn't who you wanted me to be, and I still regret it. I can't do that to Abby and throw away our life together. So I am done being scared. I am done keeping secrets. So I like when Tipper and Abby first meet. And Tipper's like, so do you have a boyfriend, Abby? No, but I have. Because I have had many, but not too many. An appropriate amount. Oh, I after a breakup, and she's like, "Oh, Abby, yeah, um, he was a he was a milkman." And Harper's like, "Okay, I think we'll just settle on now." <laughs> so John steals absolutely every scene that he's in. Hundred percent. Every scene. So when her and him and Abby have lots of phone conversations throughout the movie while she is at Harper's family's house and he's at home because I mean he is her emotional support, especially in this situation. And I like it when, you know, she's justifying all of these things she's having to do for Harper to placate the family. And he's like, stop being a doormat. And she, she's like, did you need something or did you just call to shame me? And he goes, I'm not shaming you. I just think the choice you're making is dumb and that you should feel bad about it and yourself. Also, I'm loving these fish. If I wanted to buy the exact same one for myself, what do you think <laughs> I'd do that at? <laughs> so one of my favorite running gags for the first like half of the movie is they know Abby's parents are dead, so they think she's an orphan. So, <laughs> the orphan stuff was so funny. So they assume so, she had, she's never had a Christmas. So, right. so, so um, when Tipper shows her the room she's staying in, she's like, I'm sorry about all this mess. And Abby's like, what? No, this is so nice. And she's like, better than your room at the orphanage. She's like, <laughs> and, uh, I was 19. And Abby's like, oh, I wasn't in an orphanage because I was 19 when my parents died. Oh, one of the lucky ones. <laughs> <laughs> so uncomfortable <laughs> well and when she meets riley in the hallway um of that restaurant and she she's like i'm her orphan roommate i'm her roommate i mean i'm also an orphan but i'm her roommate <laughs> just defaults to i'm her orphan i mean <laughs> so, so another heavy-handed image in the movie is when abby was sneaking downstairs to see harper and she literally hides in the closet and Tipper finds her and then she in there and she says, Abby, what are you doing in the closet? And Abby's like, Oh, I must have been sleepwalking. And Tipper's like, Oh, that can be very dangerous. I once took too many Ambien and I bought a racehorse online. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we've all been there. I mean, right? <laughs> and that's all I have. That's all I have. Did this have a Linus moment? It had a lot yes. of Linus moments. Yes. So are we ready to rank it? Ah, crap. Of course I'm not ready to rank it. So while you're looking to see where you're going to rank it, once again, I have to correct where we put last week's movie because I messed up again. I don't know what happened the past two weeks in a row. Math is hard. Math is hard. So I said it was tied with One Magic Christmas at 2.283 at number 83. But in reality, Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square came in at 2.83. So it's tied with Better Watch Out 
at number 78. Uh, 77. Does that make it higher list. or lower? Higher. Oh, Lord. I think it's a good place. Well, no, I think Better Watch Out should be higher than that. But I mean, just saying. Oh, I'd probably watch Better Watch Out before I'd watch that Dolly movie again. Here, here. Yeah. I feel bad saying that. Yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> okay. Oh, this is going to be really difficult to rank this one. So I hate this part of the show. Not difficult for me. I loved this movie. This movie's going into my Christmas canning. I'm giving it a 9.25, actually. I didn't love it that much. Uh, I think I'm going to come in at a seven. I'm going to come in at an eight. So that gives us an average of 8.083, which is a pretty good showing compared to the last few weeks. And that 8.083, that puts it in tier two. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. At number 18 on our list, tied with Nativity, in between The Ref and Crown for Christmas. Good showing. I love Crown for Christmas. I do too. (laughs) Such a good movie. (laughs) It is a great movie. It's a fun yes, movie. Yes, I said a Hallmark movie is great. Um, and, they're killing it this year. There have they been are. at least two that are so good. Is one of them the Christmas Waltz? Because that one is so yes. good. Yes, yes, I so love that one. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. I love that. <laughs> How do you feel about that one, about Christmas Waltz, Julia? So okay. good. <laughs> <laughs> so we did get some feedback on this movie already. Matt Urich wrote, this is definitely unexpected for me. Went into it with pretty low expectations, but ended up really enjoying it. Carrie Brown wrote, although it brought back a few painful memories of my own life, I loved it. I really wanted it to be good, and it was. Excited to hear what elves have to say. Kendall wrote, I really loved this movie. I watched it twice already this season. I felt like Kristen Stewart really showed off her acting skills despite my doubts. The cast was superb, even if Harper's family made me angry the whole time. And Vic Frank wrote, I really like this movie and would love to see a shirt with John and the fish. Me too. I'd buy that shirt. Yep. Where can other people let us know their opinions on this movie, Julia? At any of our social media outlets, which are Instagram, Facebook, Facebook group, Reddit, Twitter. And you can get there easily by going to tisthepodcast.com backslash insert your social media name there. Um, it also takes you to Patreon. Patreon is a little alcove carved out on your phone or wherever you like to listen to your content, where for a nominal minimum of dollar a month, it gives you access to all of the extra stuff that we do. You can meet some of our listeners and we do fireside chats. You can hear non-Christmas content. We have live watch there of some movies, more to come. And we're constantly adding Patreon content throughout the year. In addition, you can get cool stuff like a Christmas card from us, buttons, goodies, swag. And if you give $25 a month, you can come on and host an episode with us of a movie of your choice. So check it out if it's something you're interested in. Um, If it's not, we are always here in your feed every week for free with good content here. So some patrons should have stuff, should have gotten stuff in their mail this week. Yeah, they should have. And they're going to get even cooler stuff to brighten their January. I can't wait for that stuff. I can't either. So we actually had a question of the week. Gary Blauman posted this today. Matt Urich. Long time no ask. Question of the week. What is a song that is not a Christmas song, but you completely associate it as a Christmas song? For me, it's Pennies from Heaven from Elf. I can't hear that song and not think of the holidays, and it has made many of my playlists over the years. For me, it's Pennies from Heaven from Elf. We've talked about that a few times now in the episode, that 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 song has fundamentally, like that that movie fundamentally changed what that song meant to us. Yep. Agreed. Easy one. Yeah, that was super easy. 
So I have a question for us to think about for next week. So given that Disney is remaking Home Alone, given that there's talk of an It's a Wonderful Life remake, whether or not we want any of these remakes, which clearly we don't, what are the most likely Christmas movies that you think are going to be remade in our lifetime? Next week, it's our last film for Christmas. What are we covering? And we're doing huh? four Christmases with Reese Witherspoon and Vince Vaughn. And I am excited. I am ready for a good knockdown, throw everything at Anthony next week that we're going to have. I don't think it's going to be just throw everything at me. <laughs> the week after that, in honor of the new year, but really it's more of a Christmas film, we are covering Winnie the Pooh, A Very Merry Pooh Year. I love Winnie the Pooh. Or as we are hoping 2021 will not be another <laughs> pooey new year. <laughs> exactly. We're, get, we're getting all the poo talk out for 2021. <laughs> I can't believe this is uh, the first time Winnie the Pooh is coming up as like an episode on our podcast. Winnie the Pooh was the theme for my first birthday party and my 18th birthday party. Oh, way to bookend it. Uh, only 288 days until Christmas. 12 days, y'all. That's just over a week, guys. That is crazy. It went too fast. Get your Always shopping does. done. My shopping is done, Tom. I finished mucho early this year. Bye. Julia, it's been a pleasure as always. <laughs> I hope you and your family continue to stay negative. <laughs> Anthony, I hope you be positive and stay continue negative. to be positive. <laughs> That's never going to happen. <laughs> Who are we kidding here? <laughs> Bye. Bye, y'all. Who's got a beard that's long and white? Santa's got a beard that's long and white. Who comes around on special night? Santa comes around on special night. Special night, beard that's white. Must be Santa. Must be Santa. Must be Santa. Santa Claus. Who wears boots and suit of red? Santa wears boots and suit of red. Who wears a long cap on his head? Santa wears a long cap on his head. Cap on head, suit that's red. Special night, beard that's white. Big red cherry nose. Santa's got a big red cherry nose. Who laughs this way? Ho ho ho. Santa laughs this way. Ho ho ho. Ho ho ho. Cherry nose. Cap on head. Suit that's red. Special night. Beard that's white. 